Hey, thanks for coming. Welcome to the Love Shack. Hey, welcome to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, and eavesdrop on juicy conversations as we uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about but absolutely influences our relationships. If you are struggling with your special someone and desire to turn it around, this show right here is dedicated to you. In today's episode, this is number 66, we're going to share with you our top tips for navigating the parenting journey as a couple. Hello, we're Tom and Stacy Bartley, and together we have eight kids. So, and, and don't forget, our thirteenth grandchild is coming next month. And <laughs> last time I did the math, that would be twenty-one humans in our very close circle. We call it a party in a box. The party starts when we show up, and it ends when we leave. Today, however, in the Love Shack, we have a very special guest, Dr. Roseanne. She's here with us inside the Love Shack, and we're going to share some of the challenges faced by couples in parenting in today's world. Together, we're going to learn how to find your flow and strength in your relationship so you can be present for each other and your children while navigating through this beautiful, but oftentimes very difficult life experience, especially now. There's so much coming at us. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with our guest, Dr. Roseanne, and this incredibly important conversation all about parenting and staying in love while you're at it. Oh, my. I met Stacy and Tom about two years ago. I was at a point in my relationship where I was ready to file for divorce. Not that I wanted to, but I just felt hopeless and helpless. I'd been through other counseling and coaching and didn't find any success. With Stacy and Tom's methods, I was able to eliminate insecurities, set boundaries, plant my flag, eliminate rabbit holing. I was separated from my wife for a year and I have since moved back home uh, for the last six months now. I still refer back to a lot of the teaching that Stacy and Tom provided and it's helped me. It's well worth it. Learn the simple three-step system to rescue your struggling relationship by registering for Stacy's brand new free workshop. Reserve your seat by going to stacybartley.com slash workshop. Are you ready to venture off the beaten path, expand your mind, raise your consciousness, and open your heart? Allow me to entice you with interviews with amazing souls from around the world. Indulge in history, mystery, science, and spirituality. There's weekly skin tips, live esoteric readings, and answers to life's burning questions. So come join me, Sakura, your host, intuitive medium and spiritual hypnotherapist, each Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. right here on KKNW for Love from the Hip. This is Nathan Mum and Mike Roday from Tech Time with Nathan Mum. Hey, Mike. Yeah, what's going on? How about starting the year 2022 off with a bang with a big announcement? Oh, yeah. What kind of big announcement do we have? Well, we are expanding. We are expanding the Kixie 880 AM. Don't you worry, KKNW 1150 listeners, because we are still going to be broadcasting on Saturdays and on Thursday mornings, so you will not miss our show. Listen to Tech Time Radio at KKNW 1150. Hallelujah. Help getting started with self help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome inside the Love Shack, ladies and gentlemen. We are Tom and Stacey Bartley, your hosts, along with our awesome, extraordinary Eric Ryder, our engineer. And 
Let's dive into today's conversation. As Stacy shared, this is one that really touches, I think, a lot of people right now. Everything We're navigating the parenting journey as a couple. We're blessed and grateful to have inside the Love Shack our guest, Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge. Mm-hmm. Let's admit it. You know, parenting can be a difficult journey, and it's easy to feel overwhelmed, especially right now. It's hard to know what the right thing to do is when we start juggling parenting with our relationships, especially if we don't have a place to turn for objective and effective advice on foundational best practices. So today we have Dr. Roseanne with us. She's going to share with us her tried and true parenting do's and don'ts, parenting through a pandemic and the actions that we can take to help our youngsters develop better coping abilities and resilience. We're also going to take a look at how step parenting uh, can be a unique experience. Absolutely. This is one that has a lot of different opinions uh, that I've certainly have seen. Stacy and I, uniquely, we uh, both we, both of us lost our fathers at a very young age, and both of our mothers went on to marry men with large children. So we, we've created what we've come from. Mm-hmm. Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge is a mental health trailblazer. She founded the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health. She's a media expert who is changing the way that we view and treat children's mental health. Hallelujah. She's been in Forbes magazine. They've been calling her quite some time now, a thought leader in children's mental health. And her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions of ADHD, anxiety, mood, Lyme, PANS, PANDAS. And if those don't mean anything to you, don't worry. That's, That's good news for those of you who have had those diagnoses in your family of origin. Uh, pay particular attention. She's using proven holistic therapies and she is featured on double dozens and doubles <laughs> of media outlets such as the Mel Robbins Show, Fox News, CBS, NBC, PIX11, NYC, Cheddar TV, Forbes, USA Today, Yahoo News, WebMD, Business Insider, Parents Magazine, The Week, The Washington Post, and The New York Times. This woman has been busy trailblazing mental health change for children and our families. And I am delighted and honored to welcome her inside the Love Shack with us today. Dr. Roseanne, welcome to the show. It's a privilege and an honor to have you here with us today. Well, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I'm also glad that we're going to talk about step parenting too. Yeah. You know, because that's what, there are more uh, blended families than there are families that are um, still intact in the world. How about that? Wow, I, I, I totally agree with wow, you. That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a powerful, yeah. uh, powerful statistic. So as we, we don't talk about step parenting as much, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's, uh, comes with its own, oh, wow. um, challenges. Mm-hmm. Yes, it yes does. absolutely. And unfortunately, because we don't, you know, rarely have the conversation of parenting, we approach it as the same premise as though they were our biological children, which as you know, runs us into, a tremendous amount of conflict and upheaval. Um, so let's let's begin this conversation because I'd love our listeners to kind of get to know you a little bit. And what is it that motivates you to become that trailblazer that you've been for so many years in this space? How did you come to do the work that you do today? What was that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, how I came came into the work was that it truly was my calling. Um, and I remember being five years old and my mom's friend, Angela, asked me what I wanted to be. 
And I said a psychiatrist, even though I had no exposure or understanding. And then as time passed, I realized, you know, psychiatrists are essentially pill pushers. And then said, I want to do, you know, therapy where I'm actually helping people without medication. I became a psychologist. And, you know, I love working with kids. I mean, kids um, don't know they can't change until we tell them that. They don't come with the same baggage that adults do where, you know, their own thinking gets in the way of of success at times, right? I'm not saying it's always that way, but kids just are full of potential and openness for change. And, you know, I've gotten to this point where, you know, I have this very successful center in Ridgefield, Connecticut. And, you know, we work with people remotely all over the world um, doing both, you know, uh, counseling and coaching, but also doing neurofeedback, um, which is brainwave retraining to regulate the nervous system. We, we send equipment out, but I, you know, regionally was like, wow, I'm helping so many people. And I just said, I'm not okay with everybody not being okay. And we need to do something better. And nobody in mental health is talking about how to calm brains, strategies that parents can use um, today. And that's why I really pushed myself out there in the media because it, it just becomes a window where, oh, I didn't know that. Um, and people can start to understand that you don't always have to have medication. Talk therapy isn't always the answer. And there are many things parents can do. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I love that come from, you know, as we were prepping for the show today, um, I was reminded myself of the difference between solving life's problems as a parent and teaching and mentoring our children through a life problem. And one of the, the stories in my own life that highlights this is we were moving my daughter and her six children. And I'll never forget turning around after the truck is loaded, right? And we're driving away and there's the six-year-old standing by the door and she's crying because she doesn't understand what's happened. Here we've moved her house, all of her toys, right? Loaded all the furniture in the truck and we failed to let her know what was happening so that she had a baseline of understanding, right? As well as help her cope with that long before the truck was ever loaded. We were so busy and focused on solving the problem that we didn't mentor and teach the children along the way. So on that note, I would love for us to jump into your do's and don'ts that I know you strategically teach your clients, right? And the parents in your sphere. So where to begin with that? You start where you feel inspired to go. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Navigating the silent, complex moments of separation or your partner's need for space can feel like walking through a maze without a map. If this sounds familiar, know that you are not alone. This journey, filled with uncertainties and introspection, requires a gentle, understanding guide. Hey, I'm Brooke from Love Shack Live. We see you, and more importantly, we get it. That's why we created the Separation Support Bundle a collection of resources designed to not just guide you through separation, but to offer comfort and clarity during these times. Our separation guide offers insights and support to help make sense of your emotions and the process of separation. And for those moments when words escape you, our guide on 10 texts to send when navigating space provides thoughtful prompts to help communicate with compassion, plus a soothing separation meditation to help ease the overwhelming moments. Because sometimes all we need is a starting point, 
or a way to start feeling okay again. Remember, you don't have to journey through these complexities of separation alone. Our separation support bundle is here to accompany you, guiding you towards healing, understanding, and most importantly, the renewed sense of self. Visit stacybartley.com forward slash bundle today to access your free separation support bundle. At Love Shack Live, we're all about exploring the real stuff that relationships bring, the good and the challenging. So let's tackle this together, because even in the hardest times, there's hope, growth, and yes, even love to be found. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, when I think about people always ask me, you know, what is the biggest um, change I've seen in kids in these 30 years? And one, an astronomical increase in autism. And no, it's not because of better diagnostics. There's a ton more kids with autism. But the real trend that I've seen is a lack of coping skills, that kids don't know how to manage stress independently and they get therefore get stressed more easily. Mm -hmm. So when I think about the biggest do and don't is uh, the biggest don't is to not let your kids fail and make mistakes, be uncomfortable and learn. And the biggest do is to parent so they're a little more autonomous so that they can explore their world with bumpers, not bumpers like right there, but bumpers that are wide out. (laughs) Um, And that they can learn from their mistakes because kids today do not know how to cope with stress, which is part of a main reason why we have a dramatic increase, anxiety, depression, OCD, and suicide is because kids don't know how to manage and uh, tolerate uncomfortable feelings and sensations. So the don't is um, don't protect your children, right? From failing. I call it don't bubble wrap them. You know, I call (laughs) bubble wrap parenting. Don't bubble wrap them. I mean, come on people. Like we were riding our bikes down the main road. Okay. We survived. Yes. 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 And do help them create these moments where they can they can operate autonomously. So yeah. do you do you have a story or something that would help us understand yeah, and mean, wrap our head around what this looks like? Is I'm going to Mary who works for me. I adore her. She's got a 2-year-old. Remember that you know, the 2-year-old stage you're like, "What did I sign up for?" Okay? Right. You know? The the terrible twos. The terrible twos. So Mary was like, "Before we start our meeting, I need help." And I was like, "Mary, just message me. I mean, don't wait for the meeting." So she was like, Did I handle this right? And I was like, okay. So her two-year-old yesterday, he is like, I'm in charge, okay? And he's looking for ways to be in charge. And Mary says to me, you know, we're trying to figure this out, but we don't want him to be in charge. And I was like, Mary, fault number one, okay? You need to let him be in charge and you need at times, and you need to, when safety is not a concern, and you need to let him make some mistakes. So she said yesterday, five times he stripped off his clothes, five times. And each of the five times she put him back. I said, Mary, that's your problem right there. Number one time, you should have just said, oh, okay, you're taking off your clothes. Uh, When you get cold, let me know if you need any help putting your clothes back on. And I would have turned down the heat and made it cold. And then I would have let him make the choice to put his clothes back on. And there we go. Instead, Mm -hmm. He terrorized her and 
she was she was like darn it roseanne i didn't think about that you know um and then he wouldn't wear his gloves out in wisconsin so uh, i said mary did you ask him if he wanted to wear his gloves he said yeah and he said no and i said okay so the next thing you're going to do is you're going to say do you want to wear this glove or this glove because we can't have him go outside in wisconsin in the middle of winter with no gloves, but you know, maybe in the springtime it would, but you have to have some natural consequences. Let him be buck naked and freeze his little took us off at home and then ask for his clothes. Right. Instead, she was like, I'm going to get him back on. I'm going to get him back on. I'm going to get him back on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's a natural consequence. Yes. I, I, and so let's, let's um, progress through the ages then let's say now I have a 10 year old and, you know, you just I'm just trying to think of all of these, the stages of, you know, who, human development, you know, I, I get to 10, and I'm starting to think through and rationalize myself. Now, our, our children are going to have a tendency to to want to banter with you a bit, right? <laughs> and point out all the places where they think their parents are goofy as heck. They're starting to feel like and thank goodness they do. You know, I, I really want to celebrate that piece. Thank goodness in our human development, we get a little cocky sometimes and think we have all the answers because that gives us the courage to step into places and territory we really don't understand, right? Without it, I don't think we'd do much. <laughs> we'd all cower in the corner. Um, but, you know, give us some advice on what you're saying. And as far as like, don't bubble wrap them, let them have some natural consequences. Could you give our listeners some examples of what that might look like at 10? And then maybe, you sure. know, the hairy ones at like 15 through sure. 17. I mean, you know, a 10 year old, I have an 11 year old, so it's not that hard. Right. But he's so logical. He's the one that reminds us to do all the things like he's like, shouldn't I be working on this project tonight, mom? And I'm like, it's not convenient for me. We're going to work on it tomorrow. You know, and he's like, oh, no, we're working on it tonight. <laughs> I don't know. He just came out that way, everybody. I had nothing to do with that. That just is like my mother dropped in there and just it's a little bit of Nona. Um, but, you know, like a 10 year old, how about a 10 year old wanting to um, a great example is to maybe have more freedom in their neighborhood and, and wanting to go a little further and you don't live in a neighborhood that's unsafe. And what does that look like? So, you know, I would say to my 10 year old, okay, that's you, you want to drive down to George's house. Uh, talk to me how you're going to ride your bike down there. What's the plan? What are you going to do? Are you going to, you know, call me when you get there, whatever it is, let them think of what they have to do. Let them think of the steps. And when they do a good job, you want to reinforce them. I mean, we can't just all of a sudden what's happened is we're like, you need to do this. You have to do that. You have to do that. Um, another example is my teenager. So my teenager has chronic Lyme disease um, and something called pan where pans, where his um, he uh, inflammation in his body causes uh, psychiatric issues and cognitive issues. And, and luckily it's mostly cognitive at this point. And uh, he can't have wheat. So he will say things like, should I have this? And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you think you should do? Right. I'm not like, don't have this. You can't have this. I'm like, what do you think you should do? And he's like, well, if I have it, I might like have a belly, you know, stomach ache. And I'm like, okay. And 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 sometimes most of the time he's like, I'm not going to do it. And sometimes he's like, well, I don't really care. I don't, I'm not going to be anywhere. I'm just going to be home. And I'm like, it's your choice. You know, 
The whole point is you want your kids to solve problems on their own. Doesn't mean you don't give them any guidance. Both those times I gave some guidance. Um, but you want your kids to develop those skills to be good decision makers when you're not around. If you are always making decisions for them and you're laying out the plan, they are not going to know what to do when you're around. And, you know, when they have to make choices about like, Am I going to smoke pot because everybody else is smoking pot? Because they are. And um, or I'm going to do this stupid thing. They're going to be like, mm, I don't think that's a great idea, you know, and it's a shift in how you parent. It's it's not the constant dictation. It's coaching around problem solving mm -hmm. and giving them a chance to have some failures. Mm -hmm. I, I so agree with you here that this is really um, the opportunity we have as parents. And it's hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to, mm -hmm. you're going to, because we love them so much, we want to keep them safe and we want to make the decisions and we don't know if we can trust their decisions. But here's the thing. If we don't give them the place to practice, they're going to be floundering because they've never practiced making decisions and governing themselves. So then when we send them off to college, right? Yes. <laughs> that's going to be a problem. And that's the first opportunity they're going to have to govern themselves away from home. And let me just ask you, Dr. Roseanne, you know, in your 30 years, why would you, you know, I sense we, you know, as parents, we've overcorrected, you know, and so we, we you know, we want a bubble wrap. So Share with us what what's your unpack that a little bit. Why why is that so pre prevalent now? Oh, there's so many parts in that. I think you know every generation wants things better for their kids. There's been such a cultural shift towards this intense lifestyle, and it's across. It's not just America. It's across the globe. Um, Europe used to be so much more. Uh, connect, they're more connected to their neighbors and their families. They're even inching up there when I, because I have clients all over um, and, and work with a lot of uh, people all over the world in terms of other professionals. And they're saying the same things. It's just in America and in certain regions, like I'm suburb of New York City. I feel like we're ground zero for intensity, right? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and like, I just had a lawyer leave work right before this. And he was like, I know you can't tell me that this is guaranteed to work, but I need you to tell me that. And I was like, you're a lawyer. You know, I can't tell you that it's guaranteed. I was like, you have to believe that this is going to help you, number one. You know, like there's just such an intensity of people. So when we look at what is the nexus, what what is this about? We also believe that grades are the benchmark of mental health. So most families and, you know, parents believe um, whatever makeup your, is of your family, caregivers believe that if my kid is doing well in school, they can't have mental health problems. Mm -hmm. They can't have these things. So we are just driving our kids to try to be these straight A students. And we're not really thinking about what are their skills do they need? Like, how about how about compassion, right? For others and empathy, like our best leaders have high empathy. We are not nurturing that. Who the hell is going to lead the world now, you know, going forward? Um, so we're missing out on the skills. We're not developing those skills that are, you know, things that like create good human beings, right? We think the grades make the great human beings. So there's just so much worry for parents about what the future is going to be for their kids. And I'm not saying, I mean, I'm a mom. Who doesn't worry about their kids? But 
what we really should be focusing on is making our kids great decision makers, mm. confident about who they are and the choices they make. Because if you don't have self-confidence, people, success is not pop- possible. Mm-hmm. Even if it accidentally happens because you happen to be gifted at something, it's not sustainable. You will implode. I mm. deal with it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and I, I think that's where we've gotten. We we miss we are misdirecting our efforts towards the academic and not really what's developing in the inside for most kids. Yeah. You know, we because we want them to be successful, grades seem to be the benchmark and that intensity that we drive our children to, right? Having to be um, good performers, good test takers, um, good paper writers. Uh, get into good colleges. Get into good colleges that this is going to be the end all break all. And I, and I see it too, where we are amping up and sometimes we don't realize the correlation as a parent between creating a lot of anxiety in our children and depression because we're pushing them and we're pushing them in directions that maybe they're not feeling resonate with them. You know, there's a difference between defiance. But they're not anchored, Stacey. Like if you don't have that internal love of yourself and confidence and grades are the only way to judge yourself, how are you going to get through life? Yeah. And what happens when there's no more school, right? How to, exactly. How do, I, how do I dance with that? So let's talk, let's talk about based on what you said, how do we help our children ground in and develop some of those skills outside of grades? What would be some of your super tips there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that everything starts with parenting, right? So we like to give our power away as parents if our kid is struggling, right? And, you know, 50% of kids in the U.S. will have a physical or mental health problem, and that's 10-year-old data. So we don't even know what that is during this pandemic. We Mm -hmm. know that all mental health issues have exponentially increased, unfortunately. So I'm sure it's way more than that. So it's it's not uncommon for kids to have clinical issues, right? But, you know, how can we get our kids to um, have those skills where they can be, first of all, what I like to call, you know, uh, there's a theory called stress inoculation. So inoculating our kids from stress where they just don't stress about seemingly benign things um, is the first way to do that. And the way to do that is the, are those coping skills. Like how do you, how does your kid manage stress? How do they view it and how do they recover from it? And in a perfect world, you have kids with a resiliency mindset who just don't view stress in the same way. And that happens through experiences. You can't just say to a kid, oh, don't stress about that. You have to let them experience these failures and then be like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like I was able to do this and I I can do that. And then when they confront other stressors, they have a history of success and they, they know that at this very deeply psych, subconscious level, not to sound like a psychologist, but our subconscious is running the show, right? And they're able to, to recognize, well, you know, that isn't something I really should stress or, okay, that's really a bad thing. And I can do this, this, and this. They know that there's solutions for things that they can handle, right? So, how do we build those coping skills? It starts with that autonomous parenting and shifting your language to coping, 
right? So you get a bad grade. I'm, oh, it's so terrible. You got this bad grade. Let me call your teacher and find out why you got this bad grade. It's like, oh, you, you got a bad grade? Well, what do you think happened? You know, and your kid may be like, I don't know. Or they might be like, I didn't know half the stuff. Oh, you didn't know half the stuff? Oh, well, let's sit down. You know, you you got a good grade last time. What did you do differently? Oh, well, last time I did actually read the whole chapter. Oh, okay. So what do you think you should do next? They should read the whole chapter. Okay. Paint the picture. How's that? How are you going to work it in your schedule this week for your next test? And, and get them. And it's about cueing them for the solutions to the problem without, you know, you always want to validate, oh, there must have been a bad experience. You got into this argument with your friend and you're really upset, you know, what would you have done differently? Or, you know, the last time you want to cue them to, if you know that they've done something well before, you want to cue them to that solution, but then you want to guide them to problem solving. Again, we want our kids to be great decision makers when we're not around, but they have to know they can manage things, right? You know what I mean? Like, um, I've been like this since I was two years old. Okay. Like I literally was like, I'll take care of it. You know, I always say it. You want me running your ship. Okay. When it goes down, (laughs) I'm like, I will figure it out. I'm your girl. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about a principle that we learn in grad school in this work called don't give your clients the answer. Let them uncover it for themselves. That's what creates confidence and self-esteem. And that principle is like screaming in my head right now, Rosanna, as I'm listening to you describe what that looks like. And maybe maybe there's a, a principle there for a parent to kind of think through, ask your child questions that are guiding them, but don't give them the answer because then they don't feel like they've come up to the solution themselves. And, I, right? and Absolutely. And we think if we give our kids the answer because they're verbal and they're so bright that all of a sudden it's going to click in there. You know, that's just not how the brain works. They have to experience things for themselves. You can't just tell a kid. There, there are some kids that learn uh, more, more easily, you know, lots of observing and things like that. But th- they have to have that experience and that, that ability to say, you know, I can do this myself, you know, and they should. And we want our kids to do that as much as possible. That is how you really build grit and resilience. And that is that what inoculates you from lifelong anxiety and, and stress. And, and this is the trend. I mean, that we're seeing that you, you as therapists know that, you know, you are, people are just inundated with chronic stress and they're overwhelmed and they don't know how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just love your, you know, your sharing there, Rosanna. I mean, again, to kind of be old school in a sense, it's like there's nothing replace. I was a longtime bicycle rider. There's nothing that replaces time in the saddle, right? I mean, and and I think as you just described, as this impending pace of all of our lives around the world has been unlike anything any of us have ever experienced historically in the last couple of years. Let's just be honest. If you're alive, I mean, so to, there's nothing quick about what you just you just described. Would you agree? Meaning. I would so like sometimes like I don't have Tom, the- it's why I have a magic wand on my desk because I make <laughs> sure that everybody knows there is no magic wand to this uh, stuff, 
right? right. And um, we often feel like if we give our kid a solution or we take care of it, that it's faster. I'm here to tell you it's the exact opposite. Yes. It drags it out. Whenever people are always like, how do your kids make, like, they're such good decision makers. And I'm like, listen, it wasn't easy. When they're two years old and you're like, oh, you're going to be naked. And, you know, and like I had one kid that'd be like, just to make me angry, he'd be naked all day. You know what I mean? Like he got over that. He didn't do it forever. I had a daughter that I'd get her dressed and she'd go take her shoes off and she'd bury him in the sandbox in the backyard mm -hmm. so that I couldn't find him to put him back on her. So that was, and she'd flush. I, I mean, she tried to flush her Susie's one day. So, I mean, I, I, um, parenting is going to challenge us. And, and, you know, I just want to point out that those are not um, bad things to have happen to us as people too, because as we're raising children, we're growing a, a person too. Within oh my of gosh, we're growing right? as a person. My kids have made me so much of a much more patient person. Let me tell you. Yeah. And you, you get to wrestle with what's important and what isn't. And I, For sure. I, I always jokingly say, but I'm not really joking. My children have dragged me to places I never thought I would visit as a human being caused me to open my eyes, explore perspectives and things with inside of myself that I would have never imagined possible. And so there's the gift that goes both ways, right? And I do think that as parents, if we could take a breath and realize that A, our kids are so much more resilient than we give them credit for, and they want to learn and they want to understand, they don't want to be told, they want to be guided. And that's such a different that's a different experience than always telling them the answers, telling them what they need to be, how it needs to be done. Um, and they come up with some amazing things if we can give them the opportunity to just share and express that, right? It, it's amazing how much wisdom is in there. Um, I love sitting down with my five-year-old grandson and saying, well, what do you think? And how do you think we should approach that? And what would be your thoughts to solve this problem? It really is amazing what they come up with. It is really amazing. And, you know, kids are so... You know, when I when I started this work so many years ago, decades ago, I still to this day, it doesn't matter how old a kid is, I ask them, like, what do you think the answer is to this? And I'm going to tell you, most of the time, the kids know the solution. Nobody's ever asked them because they think, oh, they're a grumpy teenager, or they're three years old or whatever, or they're so depressed. You know, they 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 have ideas that can be really valid. And, um, and you know, when it comes to kids making changes, whether they have a clinical issue or it's just an everyday developmental kind of thing, when they come up with their own solutions, the buy-in is completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, who wants, like you said, who wants to be told? They want to do it themselves. And when they are part of that, you know, figuring out and designing that, that solution, there's going to be much better success rate. And I want to point out, if I may, that that is the the soul of that child, whatever you want to call it, the soul, the inner being, et cetera, of that child's wisdom saying, you need to be able to make decisions in order to feel confident and happy as an adult. So, you know, rather than push against that, we need to learn how to work with it as a parent and realize that's a really good thing. That's the inner wisdom of a child that knowing that they need to learn how to make decisions and be resilient, right? I just want to point that out and yeah. highlight that. Absolutely. Um, and I think what, you know, so true. And, and I think, you know, um, one of the, as you know, as marriage experts, that 
you know, one of the biggest struggles between couples once they have kids <laughs> and the kid shows up and you're like, oh my God, I got this kid that's like, you know, whatever. And then I have this kid, whatever. You, you get what you get. There's no deter, you know, they come out. It's like predetermined. Boop, and they show up and you can have five kids and they can be completely different human oh, beings. Here, here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but it's about having as a couple shared agreements that are your mm -hmm. your family anchors, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are your non-negotiables mm -hmm. and how are we going to parent in a way that is similar? Because what I talk about parenting is it's an opportunity for teaching and learning, right? And we think of parenting as, as you know, discipline, right? That's not really what it is. Discipline has its place, but it's really your time to mold them so that they can be independent. And the number one thing we want for our kids, number one and two, is health and happiness, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to you. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Health and happiness, okay? And there's not that many slots at Yale, people, okay? So, you know, wherever you're going to go, or maybe it's not college, who knows? Um, but you you have to co-parent, whether you're, you're whatever it is, whether grandma's your partner, step-parent, whatever it is. And that's about communication and coming to those basic agreements. Like we, we parent our kids very autonomously. And the few times we've even had regular babysitters or whatever, um, I have to say, listen, my kids are parented to be independent. And that means they're allowed to say no. And they're going to ask you questions like, oh, you you need me to do this. Can you explain to me why? Like they're not being disrespectful. They want to have a conversation. They're like, oh, OK. You know, usually is what happens with them. But my kids are not like, you better go and do this. Or mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I tell them, like, if I say a hard no, it's a safety issue and you better listen to me. And and that that worked really well for us, you know, and I feel proud that my kids are good decision makers. My youngest literally came out born a good decision maker. Again, I had nothing to do with that. that <laughs> I'm feeling inspired to give our listeners um, some questions that maybe they can explore in their own relationship to help them get on the same page. Um, yeah, I, I bet that. you see that as well as I see that, that that's a, that's a hard hurdle sometimes to get over, especially because we know everybody's coming from different families of origin. They're going to have different parenting styles. As and examples. that's the number one way we learn to parent is by yes. how we were parenting. Well, so, and, I, and I would just add, excuse me, that what you just said to me would be the major hurdle in the step parenting, because, you know, these two people come together and they each, you know, him or her have their, you know, viewpoints on how parenting goes. I mean, I saw that in my own parents when they, my mother remarried on, no, Stacy mm -hmm. did as well. So you, 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 you perfectly went into, please share with us. Cause that to me is a huge place. Like how, how do we you know, begin to get on father comes in and says, boy, now you're, I'm your dad. Like the hell you are. I don't even like yeah. you, you know, I, yeah. mean, I think, you know, the number one source of friction in any relationship is mismatch expectations, right? So we have like an expectation of a certain thing we're not we're not sharing that it's in bubbling in our head right and then the other party has an expectation so you have to get it out there and be like what what are your what how how do you think kids should be parented like this has to be a conversation yeah. you know 
the stepmom, right? How, what is your best way of parenting it? Or maybe say, here's this problem recently we had, how would you handle it? How would you handle it? How would you handle it? And I think the thing to me, my whole basis in my work is neuroscience and understanding the brain. And I feel like when we come at it and explain things that it's learning and it's opportunity for teaching and get rid of this punishment mentality, mm-hmm. he will do what I say. Yeah. Really? Okay. Cause like, you know, you're going to need a hostage to go to negotiate <laughs> with a two year old. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, yes. they might do it, but it doesn't mean they're going to do it again. It means yeah, they're going to find a way exactly. to get around it. <laughs> so like, how do we get them to learn so that you're not in this friction? So I think the number one thing is to really understand where each person is coming from. And then what I always like to do is say, this is what this child needs, right? And if we present it from, because you know that you can't, you, you we like in our Hodge household, we have our core values, but we parent our two kids differently. They are two different human beings. I mean, we have general things that we do, but my teenager needs something very differently for me than my 11-year-old. I mean, there is no way that I'm going to create that. So you have to have those kind of explicit conversations, you know? And I always find a lot of friction is about misunderstanding why behavior happens. Like people always think behavior is 100% purposeful. Like that kids are just doing stuff to annoy you. And um, even with my kids with extreme mental health issues, parents are like, how do I know if it's his anxiety or he's doing it on purpose? And I was like, listen, don't think of it as doing his purpose. Think of it as a habit of of the nervous system that we're not, they're operating in a way that is the subconscious way of repeating themselves because they don't know what else to do. So let's give them the support that they need to learn a new behavior. And let's face it. Some kids are going to be more challenging to parent. End of story. Like, and, and that's just a reality. You don't want to accept that reality. Don't have kids. (laughs) Well, and, and so much of it oftentimes has to do with, you know, looking at ourselves, you know, so much of the parenting journey is learning and discovering things about me so that I can be of better support and a teacher to my kids. Um, so, you know, getting on the same page is so important as, as parents. And I, I like to approach this and I like what you said. What if we were to assume that each parent, right, has the best of intentions because I believe that it genuinely is the case. Absolutely. And that- and that if we were to look at it as though everybody is right, so this is where I come from, this is where you come from, this is what my expectations are, this is what your expectations are, there will be a hybrid that comes out of that, which is a marriage of the two. And and like you said, Suzanne, I, or Roseanne, I just want to highlight this. Um, the problem is we don't have those kinds of conversations. We don't know how to talk about them. And so I... I I think some questions that, that I just like, built, right, oh, because you don't know how to talk about it. So you don't. And so, yep. of course, and then, then we... you're angry. He's mm-hmm. doing, I told him he had to do this for him. And now he's doing this. What is that about? You know what I mean? And we just assume that people are bright and that they should just know and understand. Right. And it, it doesn't happen. You have to have communication about it and, and clear about what the kid needs. And nobody should ever say my style is better than yours. It's, it's bogus. It should always be about, this is what Joey needs. Mm-hmm. 
And this is what I, I've got as far as like solutions and ideas. What have you got? Let's get on the same page. As I was saying to one family uh, about their teenager here recently is, look, the reality is it's so important for you to do your best to be on the same page that if you were to literally like take turns, okay, this time, this challenge, we're going to do it your way. Okay. Next time we're going to support each other and doing it the other way. That would be far better than sometimes the circus that gets created with everybody arguing, the parents now arguing about what the child should do. And then the child is like, oh, forget this. I'm out of here. Especially as they get into teenage years, it would be better for us to just take turns, right? Okay. This time you do the, your thing and next time I'll do mine. Um, That would be a better source of being on the same page and supporting our kids, right? Yeah, any thoughts on- and I see um, blended families all the time doing it right. And it's it's all about what I always find. Obviously, I'm working with a lot of kids with issues is that when everyone comes together and understands what is behind that behavior, whether it's neurological or stressors or whatever is going on, um, then there's an aha moment and people are willing to do, uh, you know, the learning the learning part. They are willing to teach that kid who needs that consistency. Um, and that's what parenting is about. And we just, nobody's perfect, but you try to be as consistent as possible. So your kids absorb what you're teaching them so that they can make those choices for themselves. It's not an easy road and in intact families, you know, you can have friction everywhere, (laughs) you know, Um, you can be a single parent and the grandparent is like, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, that's as stressful as stressful can be. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I so agree with you. And, and it's important for us to realize that having these conversations are so important and that there is no one right way to do it, that each child, as you had mentioned, is going to be different in need and require different things. But if you have a foundation of base core principles that govern and rudder your family, that's so much easier. So I want to encourage you to to sit down with your partner and to make those core values something that everybody can buy in on and that everybody can agree to things like, you know, kindness, you can say what you need to say, but you don't get to call names, you know, you just some core principles, anything that you want to add in the pot there, just to kind of get our listeners armed with some helpful information about how do I approach this conversation? That's usually where it breaks down, because we've never been modeled how to have these conversations. We know we need to have them, but they terrify the heck out of us. So, so I would say, talk about your values, you know, consider some values of, you know, uh, you know, right. You know, like in our family, aggression is not a verbal or physical aggression is not permitted. That's a safety issue. Right. That was like a hard no for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and and, you know, it was really clear that what I had to do in my house was help my husband understand how to teach coping skills, right? Because I happen to be a licensed therapist and can do that. So, you know, trying to get our kids to be problem solvers, that's important. Maybe, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, religious education is a value, whatever. Uh, Super healthy food is a value in our family that impacts parenting, right? So like, we're not going to a fast food place or any of those kind of things. That would be a big source of friction in the Hodge household. Um, And so what are those non-negotiables that is between you and your partner that affects your parenting? Mm -hmm. I think has to be really, really important, you know, getting to bed on time, you know, things like that just can implode 
um, whether you're an intact or have a step family. Mm -hmm. I so agree. And maybe begin by looking at your own value system in regards to those core places. Money, you know, religion, um, health, physical food, right? Emotional principles. That's where, you know, spiritual practices or religious practices would come into play. Make a list of them and make sure that you're on the same page and that you're going to support each other in that place. Right. I do have something that, um, and darn it, we're out of time. I I know we need to wrap this up here, but I really want to make this point for step parenting. I love to say to my step parents, and I'd love to get your buy-in on this as well, Roseanne, when I, when there's problems in the, in the household and the biological parent um, is now arguing with the step parent or vice versa. And the step parent just knows they have the answer to solve this whole thing. I want you to remember what got you into this situation, which is falling in love with that person in the first place. And that oftentimes that's where we need to have our focus go, where I'm supporting the biological parent in serving or helping that child. I have ideas, I have suggestions, but I find it's much more helpful for that biological parent to have the conversation or instigate, you know, if there is going to be some kind of a teaching moment or discipline in that conversation, rather than the step parent get involved. Sometimes it's best for them to support the biological parent in supporting the child as opposed to try and intervene themselves, right? Um, oh, and, and it's such a, um, it's something that you know, is evolute, it evolves over time. And it's not easy, but the step parent always should try to be the supporter, right? Um, And some parents have bigger, you know, shoulders that have to do things, right? They might be the primary caregiver of all the kids, you know, but it all starts with that communication. um, And that isn't always easy when divorces happen or breakups and there's a lot of hurt feelings. So that means rectifying those things, whether it's getting counseling around it and you need somebody to help you negotiate and coach through that. That's really important. Um, and, and that's how I always look at therapy as a way for as a mediator in these type of situations. But, you know, there's no blending families uh, can be a beautiful thing but it is not going to happen instantly. And it's going to require a lot of openness and good communication. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. I I think it's important for us because we've covered a lot of ground here. Let's all take a turn and just highlight a biggest takeaway for our listeners today about some things that they can take away from this conversation to just summarize it all up. Uh, Roseanne, you want to go first? You know, I mean, my biggest parenting takeaway is don't bubble wrap your kids and really teach them through autonomous actions. Let your kids at every developmental stage have some power to make mistakes and learn from them and learn those problem solving skills. Mm, I love that. And getting on the same page in your relationship is so critically important as much as you possibly can. We know that that's going to go awry. But if you can do a list of your values and you can have those conversations and paint those pictures, share those what we call movies in our work of what you expect from parenting um, from yourself as well as from your partner, that really helps to kind of solidify being on the same page so that now we can step forward and teach and support that child as well. And I, I would just say, I, I love, uh, Roseanne, you said, remember, reminding us parenting is an opportunity for teaching and learning. It's not I'm the boss and you're the kid, right? I mean, that just, whoa, you know, good luck with that one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my mom had a saying, she said, you know, Stace, when you're raising kids, 
you have to choose your place. You can be on the inside knowing what's going on and help them problem solve from that vintage point, or you can be on the outside wondering what's going on. So choose your place and choose it wisely. <laughs> Roseanne, thank you so much for being here with us today. I so appreciate your time and your insight and sharing with us yeah, your where time. Where can everyone tested, uh, you know, principles. find out about you? We have to have you back because we couldn't get to the one that I really want to touch on, obviously, is, you know, about the long-term impact of this pandemic. So we will, if you would be so kind, we will. Yeah, let's have that conversation. But, but please share with us, where can people find more about you and your incredible body? Of yeah, work? you can find me everywhere as Dr. Roseanne. And so, um, and that's uh, at my website and it's D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N and that's .com. You can find me on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all as Dr. Roseanne. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, Appreciate thank you your so time. much for this conversation. And, you know, wherever you are in the journey is where you need to be. And, you know, just put one foot in front of the other and think about what your solutions are. Don't ever give up hope. Very no, well I love that. Well said. We're going to just take a really Thank quick so break much. and come back for a little bit of fun. We have a follow the fun as we transition here in reminding us all that we have to put our problems on the shelf and we have to take some time for fun. So we'll take a quick break and be right back. Hey, babe, did you know that the average couple spends only two hours a day with each other? And the majority of that time is spent eating, watching TV and surfing social media rather than connecting with each other. And if children are involved, my gosh, it's even less time than that. I know, babe. That's why you created our conversation cards for connection because they're the perfect conversation starter. So the next time you're sitting on the couch, rather than turning on the TV or grabbing your phone, pull out a card and get ready for some good old fashioned laughter and love and connection. Yeah, you can get your cards at StacyBartley.com. Exploring new- New territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back inside the Love Shack. We're going to jump right back into our follow the fun moments. Yeah. So this is what I want to invite you to do today. I want you to catch a sunrise sunset. And I know it's cold outside, so make sure you take a blanket, wrap up in a cozy blanket, and sit in some camp chairs somewhere outside. Tom and I have even loaded our camp chairs in the car, and we've gone to other places where we could sit on the top of a mountain and watch that sunrise or sunset. It's a wonderful thing. And while you're sitting there and with your favorite beverage, you got to have that in tow, at least in my world. I want you to pull out your phones and record a voice memo of the date and time, what you're noticing, and what it is you appreciate about each other. This idea was inspired by our good friend, Sherry Richard Ballou. She's written a book on Say It Now, Dear, Dear Woman. But she and her partner have been doing this for years. And so when she becomes frustrated, she reaches for her library of recordings to help remind her of the love that she has for her partner as she relives the memories that are recorded on the phone. Tom and I have done this as well, and it is such an incredible experience. So I want to encourage you to begin recording moments like this for yourself. It's going to become a priceless gift to yourself and your relationship. Don't miss it. And so as we land this episode today, as we do each and every one of our episodes, we have a Can You Feel It moment where we pair a song with the topic of conversation that we feel inspired to share with you. We've done this for each and every episode, and today our song of chosen um, can you feel it moment is Harry Chapin's cat in the Chapin. cradle. Harry Chapin. Is it Chapin? Chapin. You know, I knew this is Cat Stevens and come to find out doing a little research, Cat Stevens took some credit, I guess, for a song that but it's he actually didn't Harry Chapin really... is, is the, yeah. uh, this is, but this one goes way back. This was created in, I think 1971. So, and I remember hearing this song as a kid 
and didn't understand it. But as I turned into an adult and parents, <laughs> a parent, I really understood it. The reality is that the years of parenting are going to pass regardless of what we do with the time. So my hope for all of us today is that we have been inspired by new ideas for how we want to spend this time intentionally with our children, teaching and mentoring them to be incredible human beings. I mean, after all, that's the goal. And The Cat in the Cradle is a, a wonderful song that helps us understand that journey. And yes, it can be one that we put off that we don't take time for. And it teaches us that maybe we need to think about what it is we're doing, go through those values we talked about today. It's a great song. I encourage you to check it out. So, okay. Thanks so much for being here with us today. It's been so great to spend some time with you inside the Love Shack. And you can check out this week's song again on our website, along with all of our episodes on that Spotify playlist that will take you down the Love Shack journey. And, and exciting announcements, actually. We, we uh, per our one of, one of our wonderful daughters, helps us and is behind the scene. We love you, Brooke. Um, we are now, every episode from last week going forward, we have a full transcription of that. So some people like to read, uh, trying to work with our beloved people that perhaps, you know, the audio is, doesn't work well for them. So uh, check it out. And there's a toggle there that if you don't want the transcription, you don't. But if you do, you just hit the toggle. The, the blessings of technology is there. So we're really excited about that, looking to serve people in the very robust manner that we can. And secondly, if you need some help having perhaps the conversations where both parents can be on the same page that our incredible guests suggested, sometimes those are really difficult to have. Guess what? That's exactly the type of work that Stacy and I are blessed and grateful to do. Sometimes we need some, some safety brought in by other people and their ability to create the space, perhaps to have a conversation you never have been able to have. Please reach out. We'd be blessed and honored to work with you. Yeah, and a special thank you to Dr. Roseanne for sharing her parenting wisdom and insights with us today. We invite you to come on back next week and join us as we continue to share additional ways for you to improve your sex, love, and relationships with your people in your life. We're Thomas Stacy Bartley, host of Love Shack Live, together with our engineer, Eric Ryder. Thanks so much for being here with us and spending some time inside the Love Shack today. Have a great week. We look forward to being back here with you next week. Thanks for joining us today in the Love Shack. We hope you came away with something that made your toes tingle. To learn more about everything you heard on today's show, go to stacybartley.com slash podcast. Love the show? Help us spread the love by sharing the show with others. Okay, everybody, time to go. We got to close the doors to the Love Shack for this week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Come back next week, though, and join us for another edition of Love Shack Live with Tom and Stacey Bartley.